The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 680, unless I wrote down the wrong number on my Google Doc, in which case I will ADR a good number in here. But, you know, it's been a pretty busy week before the holidays. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us for IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where, uh, you know, awards have been starting to be nominated and handed out. Uh, but we still have a lot of new, exciting games to be talking about uh, in 2021. So we'll be covering a bit of that and, of course, some other recent major launches that maybe didn't go so well on console. But uh, before we get to all of that, I'm joined this week by Lucy O'Brien. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here, Lucy. Pleasure. Also joined by Zachary. I'm sorry, Zach. Bread boy, Ryan. Oh, bread boy. Beyond. You did it. Uh, beyond. Thank you, Zach, for being here. I know it's been a while, but glad to have you back. It's good to be back. And we're also joined this week by special guest Mick Abramson. Thank you so much for being here, Mick. Appreciate you stopping. Thank by. you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a surreal experience so far. <laughs> uh, well, we're happy to have you, uh, obviously, you know, not in the studio, but we're happy to be able to speak with you over the show. Um, for those who may not uh, know your background in anything in gaming, do you want to give a little uh, spiel, I guess, about your work? Yeah, so I review games for my Xbox and me. I know Xbox reviewing. I only review Xbox games there, but I love all types of gaming. I talk about them all the time on my Twitter, especially all things World of Warcraft, uh, fun PlayStation exclusives, and all things Disney there. But I mostly love to review games. I love to stream games that really I have vested interest in in um, any series that I like. And I'm also, it's Hanukkah currently. Happy, hey, happy, fifth, Hanukkah. Sixth, happy Hanukkah. It's the sixth day of Hanukkah now, as of just now on the East Coast. And I'm Jewish, and I've been slowly trying to speak more about uh, Jewish people in the industry and just kind of helping people embrace more the, the religious side as well and how that can affect them and their beliefs and that it's okay to talk about that kind of stuff openly. It it's just one of those going a quick spiel. It always felt like religion's been one of those hot button topics that normally go under the radar. And but now, especially this year more than ever, with hate rising, I felt that it's more okay to speak out about who I am, my background, to push back against all the hate that's been rising this year. Cause not only are there racists coming out of the woodworks, there's also anti-Semites. And just pushing back and saying, no, I 
one I'm a part of this world and it's okay for me to be me and my religion's actually awesome and talk about respect and love and charity just to put that word out there more and more, especially in this industry. Absolutely. And definitely happy to have you uh, at this uh, time of year, but of course, anytime. So thank you for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Um, we'll, of course, have plenty to talk about both, I think, first party and third party uh, this episode. And so I figured uh, just to kick things off, uh, first topic could maybe be to discuss a little bit about uh, the Game Awards, which obviously happened happened last week. But there was some Sony uh, exclusive stuff there, some uh, big third party things. Uh, the the first stuff that I wanted to point out was uh, that Returnal got a release date. That's the latest game from uh, the team behind Next Machina and Resogun. I almost called them the team Next Machina behind the game Housemark. So that's where my brain is at right now. Um, but Returnal is coming out in March, March 19th, I believe. And I had it up and then I deleted the tab. So I'm going to bring that up. Um, Lucy, I wanted to throw to you both on the curiosity of... I forgive me, but I'm blanking on your your history with playing Housemark games, but also because I think anytime I bring this game up, people are like starring Lucy uh, <laughs> because you bear a passing resemblance to the the main character. I'm I'm I've got to say honestly, Dono, I'm sorry that you did throw to me because that is honestly uh-huh. the only reason I've paid any attention to it whatsoever. Fair I enough. actually don't. Yeah, I have no real vested interest beyond the fact that people keep saying that I look like this woman. I'm just going to dr- bring her up. Is she, is she, I take it she's elderly? Um, <laughs> I actually don't know her age. Um, it is coming out March 19th, uh, 2021. Oh yeah, like she, looks, she looks to be in her 50s. Number. That, 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 tracks, that tracks with our audience. Yeah. yeah. Sick again yeah. here. Um, but uh, Returnal, for those who haven't I'm 37! <laughs> I, I would never ask a lady's age, Lucy. Oh, God. Um, I I'm personally looking forward to this. What the hell, this looks um, nothing Nick. like you. I don't know. I, you, honestly, so many of these. I'm sorry. I know that people mean well when they're like, "You look like this person who's got grandchildren." It's like, thanks. <laughs> like you know, I, like I'm all for like older kind of people uh, representation of video games. It's it's rare and and few and far between. But come on now, come on. I'm not yet forty. It's like it's like like. Every white guy with a beard, uh, somebody is like, oh, I saw this guy that looked just like you downtown. And then they'll send me a photo. It's like, <laughs> that's just that's just a white guy with a beard. Like, like uh, that, that looks nothing mm-hmm. like me. Come on. Like, but it can happen. White guys with beards can look alike. Jonathan and I do look so, shockingly yeah, alike. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely happened. There were a few times in the studio where I swear we were like just clearly distant brothers who were reuniting. My favorite, surprise. my favorite white guy with a beard story is one time at E3, I had like a full like 20 minute conversation with this guy. And then he was like, oh, also, I really loved your Bloodborne review. And I was like, wait, who do you think I am? And he's like, aren't you Brandon Tyrell? <laughs> <laughs> no i mean to be yeah. fair you do kind of look a little, you could pass for brendan tyrell if yeah like if this was an animated series like this was big mouth you guys would be animated pretty similarly that's, that's true, true. I, I also i often find myself wishing that i was an animated character in big mouth so <laughs> good on who you. doesn't really among us um clearly we've all been watching what's new on netflix um, <laughs> uh Mick or Zach, has this game been on your guys' radar? Because it's been a little bit, I think, quieter on the like PS5 exclusive side for some people, Returnal, compared to some of the other stuff. Are, is this something that's been on your radar? Are you interested in it? Where does it sort of stand for you guys? It. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you first. Guess first, please. <laughs> it has been, after seeing this trailer, it seems 
it seemed to be pretty low key, especially after the reveal at one of the recent PlayStation events. But seeing more of the gameplay in this trailer, it's given me such control vibes, and I love control. It's more action heavy, a lot of the particle physics and all the floatiness of control, but in a much better package, it seems that might run smoother than <laughs> launch window control. So I'm really excited to see more to see more of this game as they reveal more and more. Uh, I'm, a big, I'm a big house. Um, I think they make really, really fun arcadey stuff. And um, uh, this game is something that, ha, you know, kind of caught my attention, I think, when it was first shown off at the PS5 reveal event. Um, and it's something that, like, every time it comes back, like, I'm not, like, actively tracking it, but every time it pops back up, it's like, oh, yeah, there's that game that I think looks cool. Like, I'll, I'll definitely check mm-hmm. it out because I do, like, a lot of Housemark stuff. Yeah, it, uh, I, Resogun, I still always say, is, mm-hmm. I think, the best PS4 launch game. And Next Machina, I think, like, cruelly got ignored dude totally overlooked that year yeah next machina just kicked ass like it was great it's so awesome and i i do think the housemark was in this weird situation where they basically a couple years back after i think next machina were like hey the games we make no one buys them so we're going to stop doing this and then we're going to make a triple a uh like free-to-play shooter online Mm -hmm. and then they stopped making that game uh and have now made returnal which seems both like it it seems like almost a melding of maybe some of the work they were doing with that Mm -hmm. like third person action shooter thing and then with their classic like shooter uh bullet hell sort of style so i'm i'm excited i think it could be a really cool like evolution for them as a studio um but yeah it's i i wanted to bring this one up mainly as a like that's the i think the first full release date we have for one of like the big playstation 5 exclusives that have been part of the ps5 reveal events uh and obviously lucy i know we've talked about this after those shows but uh, especially with mick and zach on i kind of wanted to hear your thoughts about how 2021 is looking because at least by like my determination obviously things might get delayed it's a very strange time for development right now with all the work from home situations but like 2021 looks just like a fantastic year for games but also for playstation specifically and uh i guess starting with a mick is is there anything particular on the like exclusive side that really is like sticking out for you that you're excited to play or has really caught your eye that you want to see more of obviously we've seen varying levels of stuff that's set to come out next year honestly every exclusive they've announced so far looks amazing and right up my alley ratchet and clank horizon god of war all are just gonna be big bangers and gran turismo I love any type of racing game, especially Forza and Gran Turismo. When those come out, those are always some of the best ways to show off the console and it coming out a year after release of the console. They might have more time to refine it, make it run better, make it really utilize the technology. Um, I, it's going to be a fantastic year, but it makes me worried for 2022 and 2023. that they're coming out with all these bangers the year, the one year after launch. How are they going to keep up this heat? the several years after until they start coming back to more sequels for these games. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting position to be in Zach. How, how does the lineup strike you for what's coming? Uh, I'm really stoked for next year. Uh, I, I think that, that if they can somehow manage to deliver all the stuff that they've promised for or not promised, but have said is coming in 2021, I think we're in really good shape. Um, Ratchet and Clank to me is probably like the clear front runner. Um, I really, really love the 2016 reboot and, uh, uh, Rift Apart just looks insane what they're doing with the tech and, and just like the actual vis- visual fidelity of the game. Um, I I don't 
necessarily know that I believe that God of War is coming next year. I would like. I would like to think that it no, is. No, no, no. This still, yeah. they're still hiring for like a lead writer on that on that um, project. I do not think we will be seeing God of War next year. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't claim to understand how like studios and development work and like maybe the writing is the last thing that kind of comes together and they've been toiling away in the God of War mines since 2018. Um, but just something in my gut says that that game is probably not coming. I, I do think that we'll get Horizon next year. Um, Horizon to me is a game that I liked, but I wasn't particularly like super passionate about or like really wild about it. But I think that a sequel will kind of the, you know, the old Assassin's Creed one to Assassin's Creed two trick where, mm-hmm. um, the first game was good. The second game could be really, really phenomenal. Um, and so I'm looking forward to, to horizon, uh, outside of that, like, you know, I, I think Nintendo's done a really good job of, uh, well, not so much this year, uh, but I think in previous years, they've managed to have a lot of first party hitters, you know, like to, to your point, Mick, I, I, I do think that there is some, some level of concern about like, if you're rolling everything out year one or year, you know, one and a half, what does that mean for years two and three? But you know nintendo's done it sony's done it in previous years as well i I think Mm -hmm. we're gonna have plenty of the first party stuff in in the coming years but 2021 in particular i think is looking mighty tasty yeah it's it's sort of weird to think back um like going into this year obviously we knew the ps5 was coming but for first party releases we were really focused all in on ghost and the last of us and obviously they both turned out in pretty good shape uh and went on to sell really well and everything but then you just look at the rest of the the year for playstation and it was also dreams came out earlier in the year of course mlb the show was there um miles and demon souls and uh Sackboy and all of this stuff in one year and to see that they're going to keep the momentum going into the next year really excites me but yeah it does it raises that interesting question, especially when what we're seeing Xbox do is very much like set up for two or three years down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if I'm not wrong, Lucy, correct me. Uh, Ryan McCaffrey wrote a piece about that just for anyone who's a multi-platform owner who's maybe listening sort of about how like finally Microsoft feels set up to have a first party stable that, you know, can maybe stand toe to toe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do check that piece out. It's on um, the site and should be live on YouTube now as well. Uh yeah, I mean, Ryan made a really good point that sort of Xbox owners have been bereft uh, of first party exclusives. And, and he also said that he believes that was as damaging to the Xbox brand as the original uh, grew up of the Xbox One launch, right? He just thinks that, yeah, there was there was a massive deal. There was a massive amount of course correction there. But it still didn't make up for the fact that Xbox owners didn't really have much to to show off. And, you know, it's, it's reflected in our... Uh, this is not to downplay the great nominees in our uh, best of voting that just went live, uh, best of uh, the year. Um, but PlayStation's nominees from us this year, IGN, are so strong. And Xbox has got like four really cool games, but it's just, again, just very reflective. Last year, there was only one that we could nominate. Like, it's just very reflective of how Xbox has struggled. And, um, you know, certainly the Game Awards looked to course correct that, which is good, which is positive. I mean, you know, if you're going to spend all this money on a console, whether it be a Switch or a a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X or S, um, you want games that no one else can get. You want want to know that that this is the reason why you chose this particular console. Um, And so, you know, I think the future looks bright for Xbox as well, which I'm which I'm stoked about. I I also think that, you know, 2018 was the year that Phil Spencer got out on stage and announced that 
all of those studios were coming to first party or were becoming first party studios. And then they've announced since then several more to, uh, to, that are going to fall under that first party umbrella. And I think that, that three years in, uh, is about the time that you would expect to start see, seeing some of these things roll out. So I do think that 2021 has some pretty exciting stuff for Xbox up their sleeves. Uh, I just remember this is a PlayStation podcast, uh, and we've been talking about Xbox for like no, five no, minutes. No, but but no, uh, you know, like, I think no, that that's I, a, it's a fair point to make about uh, X party, Xbox first party efforts. So I, 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 think, I, I think it's also reflective. Like, sorry, I'm just bulldozing you. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I don't I do think the host or anything. Like, yeah, I know exactly. Um, but I do think it's reflective of the fact. That that you know we're starting to see some real momentum um in not in the console race but in in sort of informing consumers of what console they might like depending on what games they like to play right and 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 for x for people sort of on the fence uh, xbox wasn't really what was the draw card there you know besides their ultimate power but like I don't know. It's it's been PlayStation for so long. So I think it's really going to change in the next couple of years. Uh mm-hmm you know, the, the so-called console race, how we talk about these consoles and, and what their their draw cards are. And I, I want to see that from Microsoft, right? Like, I want to yeah. see them, like, I want to see the initiative just absolutely murder Perfect Dark, right? Like, mm-hmm. I want to see these these in a big, big games a good in a good way, in a good way. Yeah. Like, I want to see these big games from Xbox. I want to see these heavy hitters coming from Microsoft Game Studios um, because I think competition is healthy, right? And yeah. I think that, like, putting a little uh, a little bit of fear a little bit of uh, fire underneath PlayStation like PlayStation already has incredible first party exclusives but if Xbox can regain any of that ground uh, that'll only encourage PlayStation developers to to up their their game that much more right 100% um, yeah I- i'm excited for it and even along those lines Xbox has ways to slowly regain that trust too with Game Pass Ultimate and XCloud so giving the people who have been so burnt on Xbox before a way to dip their toes back into the Xbox ecosystem right. and try out these awesome games that they're slowly going to be firing out one after the other, after the other, as we start to see more and more of those, hopefully in 2021 as well to meet all these awesome games that PlayStation is going to be launching too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. And Zach, just to sort of your point of like, Oh, you've been talking about Xbox for five minutes. I do think what if we, we don't mention Xbox, we'll get, you know, people mad that we're not talking about what they're doing, but also <laughs> then people mad we're talking about what they're doing. I think it's impossible not to talk about both companies in conjunction with each other at the start of this generation, especially as you're saying, competition makes each of them better. Like a, a good Xbox and a good PlayStation make each other better at the end of the day, because like had Sony not had been like knocked on its ass at the beginning of the PS3 generation and just totally lost we probably wouldn't have seen them double down in the way they did on their communities and on their first party studios to the ex- like to the extent that that has become what their persona was like they may by the end of that generation they even things out but they started that that generation in a very bad place and they were able to recover because they had competition because the 360 was showing them up and so yeah for me it's i want both to succeed because at the end of the day that's only going to mean more games and more gamer friendly access to those games as we get mm-hmm. further into this generation um but yeah it, it, just to bring it back to 2021 it's it's a really exciting year i think like for playstation specifically hey uh lucy to your point of like what does an xbox player have to go in for at launch it was halo until halo got delayed and um it's it, you know we'll see what that competition brings next fall but even if even if God of War gets pushed, which I, I am with you there, even though I hope it would come out next year just because that lineup is amazing. Having Horizon, having Ratchet, having GT7, having Returnal, having whatever else we don't know about yet 
you know, depending on some of when these third party exclusives come out, we're also getting Deathloop next year, which is console exclusive for PlayStation. Ghostwire Tokyo is console so exclusive. So excited for Deathloop. Yeah, oh my Deathloop god. Great. It yeah. looks so great. Like 2021, it, it's we've been on this incredible roll. And I think like 2018 was this high point. 2019 dipped a little bit, but had some surprises in it, uh, like Concrete Genie and things like that. Um, but then like 2020 was just like this consistent banger of a year for playstation where just every mm-hmm. first party release really knocked it out of the park and i'm excited to see them keep up that momentum next year but yeah i, I do have that question mick too of like when does that pause again like when do they have mm-hmm. to like take a break because mm-hmm. um so much of the end of this generation was a uh, doubling down on last of us and ghost and uh death stranding and like it was really focused on a, a, a few games for the last few years and um, to that as well there seems to be a push for all these first party companies thinking how they can bring in these indie games and these third party games in that mix too. And it's really exciting as well to think what awesome indie games do they have lined up? Who are they making deals with on the side to bring some really big bangers that nobody really think of beforehand, like fall guys this year. And who knows what else could be that next fall guys or other tiny, small indie company getting the big breakthrough PlayStation through PlayStation Plus or being that big pushed um, marketing budget through PlayStation to help carry them to the next time they have that big wave of first party games to release. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really exciting year. And obviously mentioning all these things, not just God of War with the caveat that developers are dealing with very extreme circumstances for developing games right now, as a lot of us are working from home and everything. So it'll be um, I, I think please in the year to come this is always something to be reminded of but like when you see a game delayed please 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 do not ever take that as an excuse to get mad at developers on twitter things are out of their hands and this is an incredible time you know the circumstances of in general but never use that as an excuse uh the devs are putting so much work and effort into these games that we're all going to get to enjoy at some point um so please take that into account as as the year goes on and any mm-hmm. delays do show up because usually we get a few delays um i i did sort of want to i wrote a few notes of other games that at least struck me from the game awards but i want to throw it all of you out of curiosity for um what really excited you playstation or otherwise uh at the show mm-hmm. and uh mick i'll start with you um it, what was like one that really excited you i love the callisto protocol I'm a huge Dead Space fan. Just thinking that we're nice. going to get something that tastes just like that uh, soon is really exciting since Dead Space 3 left a really bad taste in my mouth. But if it's like Dead Space 1 or 2, oh, I'm going to be so excited. I'm I want to see more you. gameplay. I'm concerned for you because you're trying to taste Dead Space, which I think would just be the worst flavor. <laughs> it's nasty. Yeah, it yeah. would just be so gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than the taste, I do think it plays very, very well. And so, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. I, I, the first Dead Space, I still can like recall so clearly playing. It's one of the best game. horror games of all time. Yeah, it really absolutely. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope maybe if EA is listening and they make a lot of remaster money with Mass Effect, just remaster the dead space trilogy and i'd play one and two again easy on my ps5 um play that in a heartbeat but yeah i'm excited about that one too for anyone who's wondering what it is definitely go check out uh the trailer but we did an interview matt kim from our news team did an interview with glenn schofield from the team who was on the dead space team uh about this game and how they're essentially aiming to make the scariest horror game ever uh and how they're going to take advantage of next-gen tech to do that it is a game that is set in the PUBG universe 
But if you are not a PUBG player, you do not need to have background in PUBG lore. It is set 300 years after whatever happens in PUBG. So yeah, wait, I, I, I chose to ignore that. Like, yeah. I was, I was very, I was very excited by this yeah. as, a, as a long time horror game fan, as a long, long time Dead Space fan. This is blowing my I, mind. This is a PUBG spinoff. It's a yeah. PUBG yeah. universe thing. I just, I'm choosing to ignore it. I mean, I'm happy that it's you know they're building some kind of a, a, a big, <laughs> a big thing a big franchise big universe but i i I cannot for that little detail i feel like it won't matter beyond like anything like they'll probably go by a map location but it'll look totally different because it's hundreds of years later and like they'll bring some of the gun skins into PUBG or something but i feel like more than anything it's just that corporation like they've been able to amass so much capital probably just Mm -hmm. wanting to expand what they can do and yeah i I like the idea of, of Tencent of PUBG Corp like coming to Glenn Schofield and being like, okay, we have this tremendously popular IP. What do you want to do with it? And he's like, I want to do a Dead Space game and maybe I'll put some PUBG logos in the background. And they're like, you, great, go for cool. it. Like, you know yeah, what I right. hope it's going to be like? I hope it's going to be like Cloverfield, right? You know how yeah, like right. basically there are all these movies together. that exist in the Cloverfield yeah. universe, but they're all very disparate and different. Mm-hmm. And totally. I'm here for that. That sounds great. Yeah. I think it could be go a different direction, though, because a lot of these big horror games have fun, crazy weapons you can use. So what if if you beat the game on the hardest difficulty without dying, you get a nice frying pan to protect your back and you just take no back damage from that? <laughs> Excellent. I, some some very clever ways to bring the two together would be really fun. I, I would be for that. But yeah, it's it is such a weird one. I I don't know where like the pitch started and ended because it is very clearly like he just wants to make another dead space and i'm all for that but um yeah i i'm excited for that one too mech i I think for me that was definitely the other than like returnal getting release date and the very very big games that were shown off i think that one really uh i have an eye out for that one i hope it turns out really well um lucy what about you what uh stuck out to you from the reveals i mean aside from the obvious you know mass effect's very exciting um dragon age is very exciting you know those big announcements but they're they're, they're quite far off in the distance so for me it's like that was that was great you know i got goosebumps and everything but the two most exciting announcements for me and i'm such a dead because ign sent me this giant red pc that i've like shoved under my desk because thank you ign it's i'm I'm just borrowing it but it's very (laughs) ugly and I don't want to take it out into my living room and hook it up to my nice TV. My caveat is I have a PC, but I'm still super stoked for Disco Elysium and for Flight Simulator because those are two games that I missed out on uh, and because they were PC only and now they're coming to console and I am just, I mean, Flight Simulator is obviously Xbox only, but Elysium is just, it's, it's a game that sounds so up my alley and so many people who's like, taste i really trust loves it um and i'm so excited to play the the director's cut which is is fully voiced and everything like that and it's you know i'm i'm very happy to be playing the ultimate edition so that those for me were the big announcements that really because it was they're so tangible they're so like you can do you can play these next year yeah disco was a really exciting one for me too i'm the same in the same boat as you as we shifted uh you know working from home i have a pc from the office that i'm using for things and it's like oh yeah i could finally play disco elysium which i was told was going to be great and i'm like i'll just i'll just wait until it's on console which i'm i'm gonna do and it's coming first to ps4 i believe in ps5 in march before it hits other consoles in the summer 
Um, so that that'll be a fun like early March is shaping up to be pretty fun. I, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to that. Uh, Zach, what about for you? What uh, stuck out? Um, yeah, I also am very excited to play Disco Elysium uh, for all the reasons that Lucy and Jonathan mentioned. Um, I'm also like weirdly excited for Flight Simulator for my Series X. Like I, I've never been a flight sim person, but like for some reason that trailer, I was watching it during the Game Awards and I was like, oh, yes, I'm going to fly a plane. Yeah, it's great. Um, but I, I think like the one the one that really kind of caught me off guard was uh, Season. Uh, just like big Miyazaki vibes in that trailer that mm-hmm. I was very into. And like, it, it's honestly hard to tell what, what that game is even really about or what the key mechanics are that, that you know, are, are at play there. But um, something about the aesthetic, something about the, the minimal interaction that we saw, like I, I'm really, really interested in seeing more of that game for sure. Yeah, totally. That one, uh, for reference, that one is described as, quote, a third person atmospheric adventure bicycle road trip game, which is mm-hmm. uh, quite a hell of a genre that yeah, I that's uh, a very niche, mm-hmm. very niche genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's made by Scavenger Studio, who previously made the Darwin Project, which I believe is since shut down or you know uh, stopped having servers operational. It, it, it seems like a quite a big departure. But this is one I've seen. I saw like a screenshot or two of this game. I think a year and a half ago and was like, this looks amazing. I can't wait for this game probably in four or five years. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's excited to see that one come to fruition. But yeah, like you, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but right. the vibe, the vibe of it just seems so cool. I want to know what this world is going like, to have just, for me. There was just a couple of shots of, of the main character riding their bike, uh, you know, along, along a road where there's like grass blowing in the foreground and there's these huge open fields in the, you know, in the background. And I was just like, yeah, I want that. Like that yeah, looks yeah. great. Like let's do that. Um, yeah, it it looks very calming. Yeah, um, totally. Yes. And yes. Speaking of other uh, open games, I guess I uh, just want to give a shout out to uh, Fulbright's Open Roads, which seems really cool, uh, an Annapurna published game that stars Carrie Russell and Caitlin Deaver mm-hmm. uh, as a mother and daughter going across a road trip uh, across America, I believe, and just sort a of, lot of yeah. road trip themed games. Yeah, came out of the game awards, mm-hmm. right? It's like that's like the theme for because everyone's so stuck inside i suppose that's kind of like a fantasy genre now uh overland just came out like a year or two too early uh yeah but yeah and uh yeah especially i think like after a year or two of a lot of dad games if if open road is the next trend that we see i'm cool with that for a little bit um anything else stick out to everyone before we wrap up obviously there was I'm, i'm curious if i don't have any relationship to these franchises but for anyone who was uh Dragon Age or Mass Effect did the trailers there move the needle for you at all? If any of you are fans of the franchises, oh. I I mean I was a massive. I don't know about you guys. I, not you don't know, but but you too. Um, I was a massive Mass Effect fan, but I I gave up on Andromeda. Like I I didn't I didn't I started it and I sort of gave up. Um, so I'm excited by this cautiously optimistic what about you two uh yeah I, I i love the original trilogy and i played through andromeda and I, I don't think i disliked it as much as a lot of people did i you know i thought it was like mostly fine um but i also played it way way after launch um i i love the original trilogy the original mass effect trilogy and um like you i i seeing that trailer reminded me like oh yeah I love Mass Effect. I yeah, really yeah. hope I really hope they can go back to that that you know Mass Effect two level of of uh, uh, quality and characterization and and you know the things that I really really loved about uh, the series. And so um, 
you know, I'll be there day one because I'm a fan of that original trilogy, but it is, it is with cautious optimism. So. Yeah. I'm worried though, because we saw so little, it's only cinematic trailers that we've seen and Bioware has burnt so much goodwill with some of their recent releases that I want them to succeed. I want them to be the same old Bioware that we know and love from the Mass Effect times and Knights of the Old Republic as well. Just I want that goodwill to come back and them to really kick butt again. So yeah, I want to no, see I gameplay. Totally. And, and Mick, I, th- I think you're right. I think that at this point, it would have served them better, Bioware better, to not announce so early, right? Like, yeah. I think I think that, you know, maybe a few years ago, it would have been a different story, but like, it's, you're right. There needs to be kind of proof at this point, proof of concept rather than just concept. That's the, I, everybody I, is so excited for the name of Mass Effect to be back and continuing that original story and Dragon Age to be back as well. But there's still that bad taste in everybody's mouth from Anthem and Andromeda where it everybody's still like, is it going to be the same Mass Effect and Dragon Age that we know and love? Or is it going to be this new age Bioware that it's just not going to be the same? It's not going to be the same quality that we know. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting place for that studio to be. And I don't um, Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine the pressure that they're, you know, having to deal with because of those years and years of fan expectations and the turbulent times that they've had recently. It is. a. I I mean, that's it. So many of the so so many have left, you know, the the company like that's it's and and they're still waiting for Anthem to come back as their new as a new form Anthem. And we haven't heard anything about that in a long time. Yeah, it's um they've got a lot going on right now as a single studio with an EA. Like obviously there are multiple teams, but it's um yeah, it's a very curious, curious place for them to be. And I, I do wonder what the long tail announcements are gonna do to I would assume hurt them. Like I think I feel like announcing these things early can only lead to maybe um expectations getting a little too big. Cause we we they officially announced Dragon Age two years ago at the Game Awards. It was 2018 when they released that first teaser trailer. Uh and now we got another one this time, plus Mass Effect. But it's it gives me, I guess, a lot of like Starfield Elder Scrolls Six vibes from Bethesda a yeah. couple years ago, where it was like th- those trailers did not signify games that are like a year or two out. Like those are within the next decade we will probably see those games um so i wonder where these stack up sort of in those those plans but yeah um definitely i think exciting for a lot of fans but we'll leave a lot of questions until we actually see gameplay um uh, of course just to sort of move on from the game awards i'd be remiss if i didn't mention just for them uh and to tie it back to ign uh the game of the year went to the last of us part two which won a whole bunch of other words as well um ghost of tsushima won the player's voice uh which was essentially the only fan voted entirely category uh so essentially the best game as voted by the players was ghost of tsushima uh and then uh ghost also won best art direction while last of us won uh game direction narrative uh, audio design laura bailey won for best performance uh and then there were a few other awards throughout um but of course to bring it back to us as lucy mentioned uh, we can talk about it at the end of the show as well but our best of nominations are live on ign as people are watching or listening this episode correct correct yeah and um a huge so, huge undertaking please go <laughs> i don't want to like, yeah no no, <laughs> no no totally um yeah we've got a bunch of awards uh they've all gone live now we will be announcing the winners um on monday the 21st uh pt us time 
Um, and yeah, it's it, please please check them out. Uh, this is these awards are meant to be not just you know awards, but also kind of like look backs on the games that that were look backs on on on, on the year that was. Um, please watch the videos. Please check out all the all the sort of blurbs that people have written uh, and the artwork. We've got some incredible artwork this year. Uh, it's 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 been a very very time consuming to put together, but we're really stoked with with how it's turned out. And um, yeah, please vote. We've got a series of uh, players' choice uh, Google form votes, and then we've got like a bunch of fun polls as well. And we'll be announcing the winners of the the Google form players choice uh, on Monday as well. Yeah. Uh, very exciting. And a lot of awesome PlayStation representation, uh, not just in the PlayStation exclusive category, but all across the board. So uh, if you are a fan of PlayStation, I assume uh, the lot to uh, go check out and vote on there. So please go ahead and do that. But uh, moving on from that, I did want to, of course, uh, jump to, I think the only other biggest topic in gaming right now, um is uh just you know what's everyone gonna do over break (laughs) no of course it's uh cyberpunk 2077 and it's uh i does bungled console launch feel like a appropriate enough wording um it's I, we have a piece up and lucy i can let you speak to it but from just grebels on our uk team and my boss so a wonderful man uh wrote a piece sort of about the the messy messaging of cyberpunk 2077 especially uh when it comes to the console versions um and uh, i i guess just to give a little bit of context the story will very likely change by the time we pu- publish this story from or this episode from one recording but uh of course, Cyberpunk came out last week. A lot of people noticed the performance on base PS4s and Xbox Ones was pretty terrible, uh, outright to the point where I think base PS4 was a trending term on Twitter for most of the weekend. Um, of course, we've been looking into it. We rated and reviewed, uh, Justin Legary from our team, uh, rated and reviewed the console version separately from Tom Marks's PC review, gave them a 4 out of 10, and essentially his review is a plead to not play the game on those consoles until... They are patched significantly. Uh, Cyberpunk uh, CD Projekt Red released a statement saying that they are planning new patches for the game in January and February that should significantly improve it, though they are also just flat out saying, like, don't expect this to play like the PC version. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't even know where to begin because it is this frustrating thing of uh, we we got word from an investor call too, where they essentially, I, I feel like they are tr- one, trying to pass off the blame to the developers who of course have been crunching and working so hard for months through delays and through all these things um, to get the game into a, a shippable state. Uh, and I am, I am sure there were concerns among the staff that went on, you know, founded by the, those at the top, but we, we can't really speculate to that too much. But I did want to sort of talk about what we concretely know. And what we know is that the, the version on PS4 and Xbox One have major technical issues, glitches, bugs, um, graphical problems uh, all across the board. Um, I, I sort of want to start off by just sort of saying, how surprising is it to any of you that the game released in the state on some of these consoles? Because to me, the certification pro- process should have stopped this. <laughs> it um it's frankly it's baffling to me yeah like it i i a game that is this high profile to be released in this sort of state without um without some sort of indication uh of of what state the game was in prior to launch 
is is a crazy crazy thing to happen in 2020 right like i i think that that um obviously cd project red is being taken to task over the way that they structured their embargo uh for reviews you know like uh reviews weren't allowed to use their own captured b-roll uh we didn't we only got sent you know reviewers only got sent pc codes so it like there's some shady dealings happening with with the way that the game was rolled out and and honestly like the thing that that shocks me the most and and like i was talking to brian altano about this the other day um ports of pc games coming to console late has been a thing since like the playstation one right like games would get released on on pc and then a team would work to dumb those releases down for consoles and release a year or 18 months later and like that that has always been a a thing that like a known quantity so the fact that 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 both of these console versions and pc versions had to be day and date is is crazy to me because I, i it's a really anti-consumer move to release the game in the state that it was knowing the amount of pre-orders that they had and knowing the amount of those pre-orders that were on base PS4 and Xbox one consoles. Um, obviously it runs a little bit better on, on Xbox one X and PS4 pro. And then if you get into the next generation, like I'm playing on a series X and it honestly runs pretty, pretty smoothly. Um, with some crashes. Yeah. But man, for, for folks that, their only option is to play it on a base PS4 or an Xbox one. And, you know, they've been looking forward to it for, you know, however many years, eight or nine years, it's a real slap in the face (laughs) to, to Mm -hmm. open that up and and see the way that that game looks, because even until the point, uh, 1.04 patch on Xbox, like even I was pretty surprised at how that game looked on series X. Like it's, it's shocking. Yeah. I, I mean, my, my, from what I have taken from all of the concrete evidence that we have as as opaque as it is, is that, you know, the poor, the poor devs, right? right? Like this, this sounds to me like mismanagement, just mismanagement from beginning to end, you know, from, from the decision to hype this thing up in the way that it has been as the next coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't, I'm not religious, but that's the best metaphor I can come up with. Um, it's Hanukkah, Lucy. Come on. It's Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah. <laughs> um, you know, to 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 the fact that these uh, these console versions were so profoundly broken. I mean, I had friends. This is the thing: the messaging and the marketing around this game was so powerful, was so potent that I had like very casual gamer friends go out and shell out sixty bucks for their base PS4s, right? Like a 60 buck uh, game to play this on their base PS4s and then come to me and say, what the hell? What, what is this? You know, and I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's absurd. And it is, it is really sad because underneath it all, there is a good game under there, right? And, and, and you know, yeah. these devs, because of these decisions that were made on their behalf, uh, now probably have to crunch through Christmas. Probably don't get a break, um, and it, it's 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 all management. It's all decisions made above the people actually making the game, um, and it's just it, it, it's really sad. And you know, Zach, I'm I'm playing on a Series X as well. Like I'm having a good time, um, but it looks like crap. I'm, it doesn't look good, um, especially compared to the you know. The, the PC version. I know that it's it's still technically the Xbox One version, but it it's, it looks 
bad. It looks muddy. I think Justin Davis described it as looking like soup. And I think that's probably the, the best analogy I've heard so far. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just a real shame and it could have been avoided if certain decisions had been made, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I want it. I want to hear the full story of this. I want the full story to be told. And I do want there to be some, um, some honest accountability from, from the top. That's what I, that's what I would like to say. Yeah. Uh, with, with this whole situation, I feel like an outsider looking in when reading all the reviews and seeing all the coverage, but it turned from a PR from being a masterclass, really, by overhyping this game, making everybody so excited for what could be the greatest game ever made to being completely manipulative and them admitting on this conference call that they even manipulated all the goodwill that they had, especially with the console providers saying the console providers were hoping that they would fix this before release, which is astounding that they would even put that onto a game, hoping that all these bugs, all these issues would be resolved in a month or two after going gold and getting certified. And then going on top of that as well, talking about refunds saying, yes, we want you to get refunds. We want you to, if you don't like this game, go ahead and get a refund, but then not talking to the console providers as well about that. And now we're seeing people getting burned by Sony and Microsoft just because they can't get their money back because of their crazy digital return policies especially Sony with even if you download it now, you can't return it. And yeah. that's not even talking about they have a deadline for December 21st to have all these games returned and email them. If you have any issues, that's not coming to play with Christmas and everybody getting this as a Christmas present. So anybody who is getting this game now is being told, sorry, you got a broken game. It's going to be ready in three months. Just wait three months, get, try and get your money back. But without our help and us pitching in, it's going to be near impossible with how much you play this game and before it even gets going. I haven't really played this game. I've had been distracted by too many other stuff being released at this time. So I'm kind of lucky that I didn't get drawn in and I didn't really want to play it on day one like so many other people did. But it just feels so manipulative. And we've talked before about with Dragon Age and Mass Effect with burning that goodwill what is this going to mean when they release all these other DLC and try and get back to that goodwill like they did with uh, Witcher 3 many years ago, releasing all this free content to bring people back in after Witcher 3's buggy mess at launch as well and trying to build back to what people believed CD Projekt Red was. Yeah, they they were definitely held in this very high esteem. I think I think we were talking about this in a meeting, but like they were the the devs that were often pointed to as the devs to follow in the way that they supported like their player base. Uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, that the refund thing uh, definitely is one of the more irksome decisions that have come out since uh, since the launch. And for anyone who doesn't know, we have a report up from uh, Matt Kim sort of about the again, messy refund situation where uh, CDPR put out that statement saying, go request a refund, which you would implicitly assume they've talked to the console providers, but people are getting turned away for refunds because of the the strict policies on the consoles uh, and are running into problems. We've had people on staff try to be able to get a refund and be unable to. Um, it is it, it is such a frustrating turn of events. And I, I Totally agree in terms of the, as Zach, you were mentioning it, but like we didn't see these console versions. We didn't see significant mm-hmm. uh, versions of the game that would be going out to a large portion of the audience before launch. And and, and, and also I want to stress, we asked 
and asked and asked. It yeah. wasn't like we just accepted that this was how it was going to be. Um, but we heard nothing back and we were just, we got the con that we got the PC codes and that was what we had to go with for review. Yeah. It, um, it's definitely something uh, speaking to Lucy's point, I, I definitely can attest to how much the team's speaking <laughs> really tried to make sure we were able to cover that stuff because we know how big the console audiences are both on IGN, but just widely. Um, it's, it is such an odd place. And I, like I, I agree completely with our sentiments. I haven't played on console, but seeing everything I have, there's if you have not purchased it yet and you have a base PS4 or Xbox, there is no reason to go buy this game right now. Yeah, don't. Um, mm-hmm. it yeah. it's going to be fixed. It just it blows my mind that I think it. <sighs> sorry, it, it's it's not though, right? Like no, it's yeah, it's not going to be fixed because the the fact of the matter yeah. is is like the game is too ambitious f- to run on these consoles in the way yeah. that it, it wants to, right? Like. Even looking at the difference between, you know, my girlfriend is playing on a 1070 Ti, uh, which is a pretty old graphics card by comparison to to the 2080s that's probably in Lucy's PC or even the 3080s that are out now, right? And um, I'm not a PC gamer, but like looking at what she's playing versus what I'm playing on a Series X, there's a huge, huge discrepancy in in visual fidelity and, and the power game. behind it, right? Like it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's, yeah. it's like it's like when. Uh, the Ghostbusters game came out on PlayStation Four or on <laughs> on PlayStation Three, and then when it came out on Wii, it was like a totally different game with like cartoon graphics, right? Like it's it, it's it's obviously that's not one to one, but it, it it looks like a completely different game, and it honestly it's a damn shame what has happened yeah. to this game. Like mm-hmm. the 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 amount of anticipation, the amount of adoration and hype going into this game, uh, it, it's such it makes me feel physically like painful, like pain for the developers because like mm-hmm. to have poured this much time into something that has been so critically derided. And so like, obviously the fan base is like up in arms about it. And it, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. And I hope that, that it is a learning opportunity for the industry at large, because I think one thing that we talked about earlier in the show that really like needs to come into focus in the context of cyberpunk is how you announce your games, how you drip feed information about your games. Like when you, when you're even four or five years off, if they were in 2013, when they first announced cyberpunk, just keep it to yourself. Like obviously there's (laughs) investors, like obviously there's investor stuff, like information to be considered, but like, don't put out something that that you can't deliver on it because it's only going to be detrimental in the long run. You know, like the the mm-hmm. hype around these games reaches such astronomical proportions, and that's due in part because as as you're looking to re- gearing up for release date and you're trying to to entice people to spend the money to pre-order and recoup some of the the millions of dollars you spent in development and you're putting out night city wire every other week and, and showing off more and more things that you can't, that you're not going to be able to deliver on in the time frame that you've allotted. Like it's, it's like a house built on sand. Right. And it just, it's, I, I'm getting worked up talking about it, but it's because when I think about the development cycle on this game and how the, the response has been in the last week, it's absolutely baffling to me. Yeah. And Mick, you know, to your point, like this is something that Bioware could also learn. I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. CD Projekt mm-hmm. Red is has this is the worst it's ever been. This is the worst I, I've ever seen in my yeah. 
yeah, various years of playing sure. video games. Like this is this is eclipsed anything I've seen before in terms of an absolute disastrous launch, um, an absolute premature launch, uh, mistakes made throughout the the process. Um, but yeah, Zach, as you said, like I hope that people listen because this is the worst case scenario. Now you've seen it. Now we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Let's not have it happen again because it sucks for everyone involved. Right. Yeah. And and, and it's. The last Sorry. thing that I wanted to say is like to Lucy, like what Lucy said earlier, like I, I do want to caveat my criticisms here by saying like, I'm really enjoying the actual yeah. game. Like I think the main quest of the game, the main storyline is phenomenal. I'm having a great time. I, I think all the tertiary stuff is like pretty iffy, but I, I, I do think that there's a really great game underneath all this controversy and all this, this, these trials and tribulations. I'm yeah, having a great time. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it definitely comes down to a it's a uh, tale for the industry and less so for like the, the game, the, the result of the game and the way that it's meant to be played. Like as we are seeing, obviously, Tom loved it. He gave it a nine mm-hmm. when he played on PC. Like there, there is a good version of this game out there for people. Um, but it's either prohibitively expensive to have a PC that runs it that way or it was mispromised on certain platforms. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's. I, I do hope it's such a learning experience because we unfortunately got the word, and this is the part that scares me, that they essentially recouped their costs via just pre-orders alone. And as Lucy said, this is a this is a decision, and this game coming out in this state is a decision that reeks of mismanagement mm-hmm. and is is something where, like you, Zach, I just feel so deeply for the devs who are going to probably be crunching through the holidays and into early next year for a long time because of those mismanagement mm-hmm. decisions. Like, this is not their fault. And again, do not even remotely go consider getting angry at any developer on Twitter from CDPR. Like that is, I mean, honestly, if you're going to get, if you're going to get angry about video games in general, just maybe reconsider your priorities. Like, there's, there's some other stuff to get angry about. Take yeah. a walk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it reeks of mismanagement, but the money people made their money. And I guess that's just what worries me is like, until they see the long-term ramifications of the goodwill and the human cost that can't be calculated right now of what this is doing to the developers uh, and to the the fan base. It is, I hope, as you you guys were saying, a tale that the rest of the industry can understand that this shouldn't happen and this can't be allowed to happen. (laughs) Metroid Prime 4, I'm looking at you. (laughs) And we say this every time there's... Everybody says this every time there's a release like this, but it seems like every developer and every publisher goes through this at least once or twice, maybe even a console generation. We saw this with Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 15 before, with it just not meeting expectations. We saw this with Mass Effect Andromeda, Fallout 4, which but that was had a much quicker PR cycle. Um, anytime EA has major sports games come out, it seems like they've been bungling it more and more lately with how fast they've been releasing them but i feel like with every time we can say they must learn nobody does and so what is this going to happen when the development times get longer and longer and we start to see these much more ambitious games in this next generation yeah there's there is definitely i think especially this generation as the demand for higher resolution assets and bigger experiences and ongoing experiences sort of becomes the norm I I do hope we get closer to the reckoning that it feels like the industry needs to have. And every time this comes up, we talk about it and then the industry doesn't fully have the reckoning. Um, it's mm-hmm. hopefully something that can happen, but it is again, it's, it is partially on us to continue having these conversations and to continue addressing these topics. So we're going to, of course, continue to keep doing that. Uh, we'll be following the cyberpunk story throughout the holiday season, but also into next year is obviously 
they released those patches and the next generation versions, which they did delay. Those versions did not come out day and date, as we've been saying. You guys are playing the backward compatible versions. Um, I they should have just delayed or canceled these versions, but uh, here we are, uh, and it's it's such a shame. Our our our, our thoughts are with the developers who are you know having to deal with all of this. Um, and uh, of course, to all the players out there who maybe spent money on this and are very upset by the product they were promised and then delivered uh, on those uh, older consoles. Um, but of course, this is a continuing story that we'll continue to focus on on IGN uh, and definitely continue to check out all of our coverage on it uh, to pivot uh gears a little bit uh obviously maybe talking a little bit about cyberpunk but i did want to uh briefly touch on what we've been playing recently uh mick i figured i'd start with you what uh has been taking up most of your time these days i would say i know you were playing immortals you've mentioned but mm-hmm. um i tend to have a lot of games on my plate at once playstation wise or games that are on playstation it's been melody of memory i've been loving trying to get 100 percent of the achievement slash trophies in this it's a really fun and endearing uh musical game i loved kingdom hearts and the music and just having a way to play the songs over and over again and while being interacting with them has been a nice way to turn off my brain in the evenings and then i touched fall guy season three this morning that game honestly to me cannot die it's so much fun still <laughs> and they just keep on adding to it with now with private lobbies slowly being rolled out i can't wait to hop in with some of my favorite streamers and play that more too yeah, it's uh it's great to see the the support they continue to bring to it. And I haven't jumped into season three yet, but that is definitely on my to do for this evening. You know what's um, interesting with Fall Guys? This is a total aside. But my <laughs> my girlfriend doesn't play video games, but she plays Fall Guys. And she's so so un like unnervingly good at it. Like she is so <laughs> good at it. She is so much better than me. I don't know what it is, but like I, I like this. She's just got this incredible sort of intuition for that game. It's and and that's why I love it because it's you know it's 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 so pick up and play for those who may not have spent the years that we have getting all nerdy about video games. Like it's it's I love how accessible it is. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It, it it can appeal to such a broad audience, but I think has just such fun depth and uh, joy as you continue to. Uh, if you're like me. Uh, you normally end up in the final round and and lose perilously just at the last second <laughs> because of some asshole. Uh, anyway, Lucy, what else? Uh, obviously now we know what uh, your girlfriend is playing Fall Guys, <laughs> but what about you? You've been playing Cyberpunk. You mentioned, yeah, I've been playing Cyberpunk. Um, I don't know. I'm maybe like thirty thirty five hours through. Um, it is. It is. I'm playing on the Series X. It is still. Uh, you know, I, I chose Series X just because at the time it had a few more performance options than PS5. I, I think they're kind of part and parcel now. Like, there's no real difference between the two versions. So I can. This is probably the same experience for those playing on a PS5. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it looks flat. It's a little flat. The world isn't as alive as 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 I've definitely seen in videos. Um, it has crashed on me a couple of times. Um, and of course I've seen a, a, a handful of, of, of very funny bugs, but it's, it's, it's playable. Um, and you know, I, I'm really enjoying it. I am, I'm really enjoying it. I, I, I stand by the fact that there is a great game there. Um, the story, which would usually, I, I usually sort of tune out when it comes to like techie mumbo jumbo, go find this person who can hook you up with this thing, jargon, jargon. I get bored. Right. But there's something 
in the writing in this game, um, at least in the the sort of the actual story, that has really hooked me. And I'm I'm really invested in the characters. I'm really invested in in what I'm going to do next. And in a world that that big and that detailed, I think that's a pretty remarkable achievement. Um, I'm loving the side quests. Uh, it's it's a it's a fascinating game. I I, I want the world to look better because I can see that it needs to look better. You know what I mean? I think anyone playing on console can sort of see how it's meant to look and see how alive it's meant to feel. And it's almost there, but it's just not. Um, so that's my vibe on Cyberpunk so far. I have no, uh, I, I'm not going to put it down. Like I, I want to see it through to, to, to the end. I'm going to keep playing. And Zach, what about for you? I know you were saying you're you're enjoying the main story of that more. Yeah, than yeah, I echo a lot of what Lucy's saying. Like, I'm I'm really digging Cyberpunk. Uh, I, I think it looks pretty great on Series X. I'm playing in quality mode. I don't know if you're playing in performance, but uh, I I do think that occasionally it looks like there's like a thin layer of Vaseline spread over it. But every so my, often, that's I, my issue. It's every so Vaseline-y. often, I have to stop and and think like, damn, this is a really like this is a really good looking game. I I imagine that it probably looks even even better on you know so much better on a PC. Um, but outside of that, I'm playing Demon Souls. I'm still working my way through Demon Souls very slowly. I'm really loving that. Uh, I'm a big Souls guy, and I've managed to ne- never play Demon Souls, so uh, it's nice to to get to experience on the PS5. And I'm also playing Immortals, which, um, man, Immortals rules! Like yeah, I yeah. was not expecting that game to be as great as it is, and um, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit on Nintendo Voice Chat a couple of weeks ago. Um, like it's a it's a blatant Breath of the Wild. A clone right like it mm-hmm. it does mm-hmm. a lot of what breath of the wild does or or wants to do and uh uh but it it's okay i think that's okay it it totally works it you know it does some things differently it does something smart um that does a lot of stuff that's really smart i uh, it's a really nice game to just kind of take a couple of things on your map and turn your brain off and go collect them mm-hmm. and fight some stuff and then you know enjoy a pretty goofy little greek greek mythology story um i i you know, this game will definitely hit my top 10 this, this year. Uh, and I was not anticipating it to when it came through. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm two thumbs way up for that game. Yeah, that one's, I, I've been playing that as a very much like chill out game, uh, in the same way as you have like, just tick a few things off and it, it, mm-hmm. it is totally wonderfully pleasant in a way that it, it sort of like strips down the Ubisoft open world concept and makes it a simple and easy but not in a way that makes it a worse game it, it just makes it mm-hmm. easier to digest and uh y- that like response of oh i i did this thing i did another thing like you're checking out it, it feels like you're you're always hitting some sort of uh measurement of success as you keep going through it it's uh yeah I, i'm really enjoying that one too um but yeah no uh to lucy uh i i have been streaming it uh mm-hmm. mick uh tunes in for some of the streams and everything and uh the this last stream i beat three bosses two of which with my glasses off because one Dude. of my that was so impressive is to do with my glasses off and uh, my girlfriend will come in and like lightly give me a heads up of like just vague things about the environment so i'm not totally going in without any sort of concept because my eyesight is terrible like the screen is, is not this that a, far is this like a like a twitch kind of like dare or something or yeah it's basically like people like, it just a mat, you know People get, points. <laughs> people get points for the channel and one of the things i put up is you can spend the points on making me take off my glasses for like a certain amount of time or for a boss battle and right. mick redeemed some for a, a couple of boss battles and i managed to beat two of them with my glasses off so i guess what i'm saying is demon souls is a very easy game yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. i mean that's what i've had for sure yeah there, there are f- few better feelings in all of of the gaming pantheon than running 
like three bosses in a yeah. Souls game. Like when you hit your stride, like when you've, you've leveled correctly and like you can just take out two or three bosses in like one run. Ooh, baby. That's a, that's a good feeling. Yeah. It's a, it's really great. And this being like the first Soulsborne that I've invested a lot of time in, like I'm fully understanding that feeling now and and also able to push past those moments where i hit a wall and i can't make progress and i just keep dying and i'm having like a terrible run or two because i do know now i do know the opposite of that whereas when i first played demon souls for like a half hour a decade ago i just kept dying was like what is the point of this stupid game um and so having both sides of that now I, i i understand the love that so many people have for the genre so i'm excited to keep going forward with that stuff um before we wrap up though i quickly wanted to uh check in with all of you just sort of any uh work or any anything else on the side uh, any stuff that you want to plug uh and of course mick i'll start with you as our guest so yeah as i mentioned before i write i write reviews for xbox games at myxboxme.com that's ran by mc fixer who is a big uk xbox guy i have just finished a review of call of the sea which should be going live tonight love that game. i absolutely love it yeah it's again it's that riding uh xbox riding the indie genre right now bringing those in to carry their weight and call of the sea is such an amazing game to really show off the console it's beautiful amazing story so much a lot of fun puzzles and it's short too so if you have three four hours you can burn through it and i stream regularly at twitch.tv slash the nanobiologist or I am planning out some games for next year, possibly a Kingdom Hearts playthrough or a Dead Space playthrough of all three games. And I tweet a lot at DA Nanobiologist. Nice. And uh, Lucy, what would you like to point people toward? Best of, please, please check it out. Um, Live on the site now, please vote uh, in all the players' choice categories. Uh, I can't, I think there may be like, five or six there are there are tv and uh movie and comic uh book uh polls as well so please check that out just any feedback you have mm-hmm. i'd appreciate it's just been so long uh you know we've been working on it for so long any any just tell tell me i've done a good job tell john ryan <laughs> that he's done a good job tell us all we've done great because yeah we need it um but yeah please enjoy it uh, we hope you do so just to clarify please send lucy good feedback mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> don't, don't that'd be, be nice. Awful. Throw me yeah. a bone. Uh, but no, Lucy, everything did turn out fantastically. Uh, I was very happy to be able to contribute a little bit to it. With you contributed a lot. You fine. you um you reviewed a lot of the really like highly regarded games this year. So you contributed a lot, Donna. Well, happy to do it, and uh, very happy to see uh, the fruits of your labor and uh, you and Jr. and the art team and everyone putting everything together. The video team, all of it came together so well, and I'm so excited for that nomination stuff to be out there and then for all of us uh, to be able to get into the awards awards and just keep celebrating all these awesome games. Um, but also Zach, what else uh, do you have to plug? Yeah. I want to point folks to uh, review crew uh, IGN's new review show. We're bringing folks from around the gaming community to come on and talk about reviews of uh, uh, games and consoles and things like that. So we've done five episodes so far, Assassin's Creed, Demon's Souls, Spider-Man, Miles Morales featuring Jonathan Dornbush. Uh, PlayStation 5, our Xbox episode just went up. Xbox Series X episode just went up uh, this Monday. Um, 
And we're going to keep rolling through uh, 2021 as well. We've got a bunch of stuff lined up, but we bring folks from other outlets. We bring on YouTube creators, streamers, things like that, just to kind of talk about uh, the the biggest reviews. And um, I'm really loving it. Like, I'm, it's a lot of work, but I'm really proud of the way that the show is turning out and how it's performing. So if, if you uh, have an opportunity, uh, if you want to see more reviews, kind of secondary takes on reviews and, and see some other industry folks, uh, coming on to talk about uh, you know their thoughts on our reviews, our thoughts on their reviews, etc. Um, check out Review Crew. It's on uh, YouTube every Monday and IGN every Monday, and then it's also on uh, podcast services where we put up the full uncut conversation on Wednesdays. Yeah, it's a it's a really awesome show. Thank you for having me on for the Miles episode. Um, yeah, man. And yeah, it, it's been a really fun uh, idea to see come to fruition. I know it's been sort of a long time coming uh for you but yeah i think it's been turning out really well and I'm, i i love sort of the the swath of voices we're able to bring to ign thank because you. of that show. so yeah thank, thank you, you for having uh that all happen and yeah as, as zach mentioned you can find the youtube version or the ign.com version the video version as well as the podcast version mm-hmm. um but other than that uh that will pretty much wrap us up for this episode of podcast beyond you can normally catch the show every wednesday at 3 p.m pacific at beyond ign.com youtube.com slash ign beyond or your favorite podcast services around the world uh we will just for for reference a little uh peeling back behind the curtain this will be the last episode that we record uh the week that it goes up we're uh pre-recording a episode for next week uh and then we'll have a fun present for you at the end of the year uh so look forward to that uh but uh it it, a present in the form of a video but uh other than that uh i I do want to just you to everyone um who's been watching and listening this year uh that you've been willing to spend some of your time with us each week means so much to me and we we love doing the show uh so so thank you so much for all of your support of it uh very excited for just a a wild 2021 that we're gonna have to cover but it's gonna be a really really fun one to do that with um but in the meantime thank you zach and lucy for joining me thank you mick as well for joining us this week uh thank you to red our producer as always for helping to make the show run and thank you to everyone out there uh we hope you're doing well we hope you're staying safe uh thank you so much for all your support and as always beyond 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 hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am extremely excited to invite you to rachel uncensored it's my podcast where i sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so we cover things from personal stories to hot button issues and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.